Good morning. Uh, welcome to Me After Work. You don't know what you don't know until you know. And today we have Rachel Burke from Salesbase. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, I've known you, but I haven't known you probably for a couple of years. Everyone that I know talks to me about you and I have your brochure in my desk. Um, people send me emails and finally I get to meet you. So I'm really, really excited. It is. It's really cool to meet you. And likewise, I've heard fantastic things about the work you do as well. So it is great to finally be here and meet you in person. So I had a look at your bio and you do so many things. You're a facilitator, speaker, um, a peak performance coach. You also have a young daughter, do a question, equestrian, is that how you pronounce equestrian, it? Equestrian, yes. <laughs> um, avid reader, snow skier, lover of travel and adventure. Yes. Are we missing anything? <laughs> Are we missing anything? Do you uh, live in the northern beaches? No, I live up on the central coast. Okay. So we've got property up on the central coast. So um, I was in Sydney for many, many years and just wanted my daughter to have the same sort of upbringing as me. So I moved back to the coast and we've got acreage up there and horses and it's just amazing. So backwards and forwards to Sydney and, you know, best of both worlds now. What are you reading at the moment? What am I reading at the moment? I'm reading a lot of, um, I have to say, I'm reading a lot of our own IP and books because we are just launching our new website at the moment and we are doing so much research and study on um, how to actually prepare our own work to the best yeah. of our ability. And so in terms of reading right now, we are proofreading so much of our own so that we've got it all ready for our launch on our website, which is um, it's taking up most of our time. Who do you look to for inspiration? Oh, it really depends, actually. I am someone who is... I'm very drawn to um, people with talent. So I just... It's one of my highest values, talent. I, I love it. So anyone who I see... Not only, I'm not into people who um, who say that they're great at things, but then don't produce amazing things. I'm someone who thinks that, you know, you should always practice what you preach, be a role model of excellence. It's something that I've always believed in since as young as I can remember. And so it, in all different aspects of my life, if someone is out there performing and doing something that I'm truly inspired by, and they're actually doing it and living that and living their dream, that's who I'm inspired by. So um, when it comes to mindset, our mindset is such a massive part. I mean, obviously I'm talking to coaches now and from a mindset perspective, um, in our workshops, we talk about Usain Bolt. And we've done a lot of research into him and listened to a lot of his different videos and interviews. In terms of the way he thinks and how much hard work he has had to do behind the scenes, because when he's out running, he looks like he's just going for a jog. But when you actually listen to him and listen to him being interviewed, he has done so much hard work and it's just been excruciating to get himself into that state where competition looks easy. So I'm very inspired by people like that. I'm incredibly inspired by um, business people who are humble and who are out there, they've got their hands dirty. They're not just delegating to everybody else and being a show pony, they're actually out there um, doing what they do and actually leading the way. I love that. And also I'm hugely inspired by my family and my amazing husband. <laughs> That's beautiful. Why don't we just give a bit of an update as to how you got to where you got to. Because sure. you, you had a fitness business, you've studied NLP, um, neuroscience and uh, 
you were in coaching, now you have a sales coaching business and, yes. and you're moving into something else going forward. Yes, yeah, so there's always something on the go. I've worn many hats. So where did I So I suppose it started at school when I was, you know, at a very young age as a teenager at school. I realised that I didn't... Um, I didn't love. I didn't love the idea of having a boss. I always wanted to be my own boss. I always wanted to have my own business. Being told what to do was not. It wasn't that easy for me. So um, we've got a lot in common. <laughs> so doing my own thing was something that I was very driven by. So I was. Um, my my mum and dad had said to me, Rachel, if you do something, do what you're talented at and passionate about, and then you will always be a huge success. So that's what I really believed in, and I was very good at sport. I was good at school, but I found sport, you know, that was um, something I just loved and I was very good at. So I went to university and did a human movement science degree, and then had my own personal training business. Um, I was lucky enough, I ran, I ran Inner Energy Fitness, it was called, in the eastern suburbs I lived, and I had the most amazing client base. In fact, 80% of my clients stayed with me for over 10 years. It was so fantastic. It was just so much fun. Incredible clients. And they were all sort of normal. in the fitness industry. Yeah, it was unheard of. And they, I called them my fitness family. They were just a part of um, what I did. I saw them more than I saw, I saw most of them more than I saw my friends and my family because I was training them basically every day. So um, with that, I was training people who were highly educated, very um, high powered in their positions. It was just the type of client that I attracted. And I got to work with not only their physical state, but also their mindset. And I got to get deep inside of the way they thought. And they were looking to me, someone who was 10, sometimes even a bit younger than that, um, looking to me for inspiration and looking for me for, what did I think about this? What should I do? And I'm thinking, wow, I can't believe people of this caliber are asking me when I'm running around in my 20s. And uh, anyway, so, I sort of thought, right, I'm actually quite good at this sort of thing. And so I went back and I did all my training in terms of being, I, I always dreamt of being an executive coach as well as, a, as well as a personal trainer. So I had clients, I had trainers working for me and then I retrained and did all my coach training. So I have extensive coach training. I've done NLP a number of times. I've done trainers, trainers, um, trainer training. I've done um, meta coaching twice. I've been to a coaching um, course for a, 12 days in Hong Kong. Um, I've done a lot of coach training. And then I had my fitness business as well as my coaching business, and I was juggling both of them for many, many years. And um, then I moved to London. I left all my PT clients behind, and I followed my dream of being what I wanted to be, an international coach. So I went and lived in London for three years. Um, attracted some incredible clients over there, which I actually had to pinch myself. For <laughs> when you're sitting in your own apartment and clients are coming to you, and someone, you know, I was coaching the general manager of L'Oreal Paris. I was coaching um, the directors of um, the Royal Bank of Scotland and Morgan Stanley Bank. And people like this, they're coming to my apartment and being coached. It was quite amazing. So um, then a friend of mine said to me, who was, uh, she is an international speaker and an incredible businesswoman herself, Rachel, you should teach people how to sell. And I said, you kidding? There's no way I'm going to call myself a sales trainer. I mean, seriously, how embarrassing. <laughs> I thought it was just such a step down from who I am and who I wanted to be and how I saw myself. And she said, 
But is that because there's that stigma yeah. around sales? Absolutely. Mm. And I was, um, I, I thought, oh, I don't want to be a salesperson. I don't want to be seen as a salesperson or a sales trainer. Anyway, and she said, just think about it. Things will never, things will be so different if you do that. You have a gift for this. And how intuitive. Yeah, and she knew me well. We do our we did our NLP trainings together, so we'd known each other since we were in our early twenties. And this was by the time I was mid thirties, I suppose. And she said to me, "Think about it." And I took two weeks, and I thought, "All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to launch Sales Space." And uh, what year was this in? This was in 2012. I think I was I was doing I was having all these thoughts, um, and. I'll launch Salesforce and I will actually systemize everything that I've done so instinctually and take all of my coach training that I've had and put it into a system and I will teach coaches how to sell like I sell um, because so many coaches love what they do, know they're very good at what they do but can't sell what they do and they can't sell themselves and they can't sell coaching and they find it very challenging because there's so much competition and so they struggle and then they make if they're lucky, 50, sometimes 70,000 a year of that. And then they go, oh, this is all just too hard, and they give up. And I just thought, if I can get out there and train these people to be a massive success and earn, and earn you know, 100,000, 200,000, 500,000, a million dollars a year, then amazing, and that's what I now do. How have you seen the, the coaching market change in the last, since 2000, actually before that, since you started coaching till today? Uh, I think just, just like most markets, it's incredibly competitive. And this day and age, there's just so much, um, clients are very aware and they're, they are, they're aware of what's out there. They're aware of reputation of the industry. They're aware that it's unregulated um, to many, to quite, you know, aspects um, and they're just they do a lot of research and now it's much harder because they are very judgmental so when you go and meet with a client even if you get that first appointment they've already researched you they've made judgments of you they've asked people about you they know what your competition are doing they know what your competition are charging so when you go out there and have an initial pro, uh, conversation with their initial sales call they are already feeling like uh, they're going to say no to you unless you are phenomenal at actually uh, at your sales conversation. So unless you can overcome that and be someone that, that is so surprising to them, then you know it's a really tough gig. And that's how, that's how tough it is these days for coaches to sell. Back when I started, I knew that um, I could convert very, very easily. But most people couldn't even, you know, but it's even tougher these days because of those reasons. And what's the difference between someone's ability to convert versus not? Because irrespective, some people are great coaches, whether they're great at sales. Mm. Uh, what's the difference? So what was the question? So their ability to convert. So, you, you know, why can someone convert and someone else not? Uh, conversion comes with, first of all, there's a belief. There's, there's, it's also, I mean, as coaches, we all know we're working with people's mindset, but so often it's our own mindset that needs the full paradigm shift. So there's a belief that what you do, and in, it's a belief about who you are in a sales conversation that changes the game. So first of all, you need absolute clarity on who you are, what you sell, who you sell to, 
and why you are so different to anybody else in your field. Then you need the confidence because people are, people are attracted to people with confidence. Not arrogance, but confidence. This beautiful, warm confidence. And then your ability to speak with conviction. Because when you're speaking with a client, it's the conviction that they're after. They want to see you in action because who you are in a, co in a, in a, in a sales conversation is who they're expecting you to be when you are actually the coach. So you taking the lead and being a sales leader and actually giving them a full coaching experience. So that's why we teach people to be a buyer's coach, not a, not a salesperson, because you take the lead in that conversation and they're just, they're completely washed away with the whole experience. They're not even feeling like they're being sold to. That's someone who converts. In fact, the client is asking you, where do we go from here? <laughs> what's, what's next? What's next, Rachel? Because uh, I'm ready. And that's what most coaches never get to experience. And it's actually, it's so easy to learn to do that. And with someone with coaching experience, when I'm teaching you how to be a buyer's coach, it's actually your natural ability. It's, it's showing you what comes natural to you, but showing you in a way that you go, oh God, I just didn't even realize that's the order at which I need to be doing things. That's what, convert, that's what makes conversions. In respect to coaching, what's some of the things you've learned through your training that um, that was standouts, whether it's NLP or neuroscience or train the trainer, that you went, oh wow, I, I had no uh, idea. One of, my, one of my coaches said to me, I, I, yes, if I think about this, one of my trainers I should say said to me, if you get serious, you get stupid. And it's really interesting because he told me that so many years ago when I was, you know, early 30s. And since I've done so much research on neuroscience since then, now I know why. I know why when you get serious, you get stupid. People are so attracted to you because you lead the way. But the minute you take yourself too seriously or you actually stop smiling or you get all awkward and weird and therefore you get uncomfortable, which makes you appear serious and sort of wobbly, then that's when you push people away from you. And that is one of the biggest learnings, and I teach all of our clients that when you get stupid, when you get serious, you get stupid. Keep a beautiful smile on your face, keep warm, move in to people, they will come in with you as well. That's beautiful. What about with clients? What's, what's the perfect client? Oh, the perfect client. I've done loads of thinking on this. Um, for us now, so, I suppose when I was an executive coach, or are you talking about now? So as an executive coach or, or as a client for us now? This, it's just the answer. Your answer might help people who are looking at coaching. Yeah. Okay. The perfect client as a coach, when I was purely coaching, when someone came to me and they, they, they were looking to me for answers, So I, I am assessing somebody, I was, and I would say to you, say to the person, say to my client, our first conversation is going to be, I'm going to run it so that you can actually get an experience of how I coach. You're going to get an experience of me. But as I'm doing that, I'm also going to be assessing whether or not we can work together. Because there is a certain style of person that actually, that actually grabs what I do and takes it and just, and the two of us together can create something quite incredible. And that type of person is someone who is open, they are coachable, they are eager, they are hungry for the change. They are sick to death 
of actually being who they are. They have tried a lot. I want them to have tried loads of different things. I love it when they come to me and they said, I'm completely cynical. I don't believe that you can, you can actually, this, I don't believe this is going to work. I've had loads of coaches before. I've, I've even had a, one or two coaches, whatever they might say. And I love it when they're cynical because that's when you know that they are so keen because they're yet again trying again. So when you can show them there's a different way and you've actually developed a process with your coaching that is actually quite, when you can show someone that you have a process and there's, there's a way, there's a systematic and method, a, a methodology you've developed that gets people from A to Z with flexibility all the way in between and they just go, wow, this is actually what I've been looking for and no one else has been able to show me this. That's when you can feel them moving to you and that's the perfect client. And when I say to them, this is, going to take an eff- this is going to take effort, this is going to take time, this is going to cost you money, and I'm going to have high expectations of you. Have you got high expectations of me? And when they say yes, yes, and yes to that, so right. And then people have always said to me when I was coaching, my God, you're tough. I say yes, but that's what you're paying me for. You know I care about you deeply, and that's, you know, we have to have a connection, otherwise we're not going to work together. But when we decide it's on, let me tell you it's on, and you're not going to be escaping. <laughs> and, I'm scared. Yeah, I think that came from many years of being a personal trainer. I was a PT for 12 years, and that's why people stayed with me as a PT, and that's why people stayed with me as a coach, and that's why my business took off. You know, um, it just, just as my PT business took off, I was, I left university, I had, I got five clients, I had five hours a week, and within one month, I ended up with 40 hours a week. That's how my personal training client took, my, my, my coaching business took up off as well. Because I had the same attitude and people were like, wow, you're different. Two questions. Mm. Why are you different or how are you different and why do you care so much? Um, I'm different. People say they care. So for, people say they care, but people can feel when you don't. And I am so committed and when I say I'm committed, people can feel the commitment. And if I say, and I say to people, if you, if you, if this is not your style, and I say my style, you know, my style is that I'm compassionately confronting, and that is me. But you'll always feel an energy when we're together. And so I'm very clear on my style, and my style is quite different to other people. And when you're smiling at people and saying that, they're like, oh God. <laughs> But that's how, you know, you, you, you're very upfront with your difference. And I was upfront with my difference. So they just, um, you know, that's not how normal people do it. But they can feel there was humility there. I wasn't just ego. A lot of coaches are seen to have a lot of ego. It's not about ego. It's about putting your ego aside. As a great coach, you need to be everything you need to be for that person. Your life completely disappears from your mind the minute you are with a client. Mm-hmm. It's never about you anymore. And that, that is something that I found very easy and I could be whoever I needed to be with that person. Um, I think, you know, as a coach and anyone who's done NLP, we get taught that behavioural flexibility is so important. And as a coach, you need to be like that. You need to be so strong and so so clear on who you are and what you do that you can put that aside and be whoever you need to be for that person and not be the same for every single client. Do you see a pattern though in the clients that you tracked to where you are at in your life? Oh yes and it's been like that the whole time yeah. 
um, has your life experiences or anything that you've experienced changed how you coached? 100%. (laughs) I was probably quite tough when I was, um, as a coach, when I was in my early 30s and I attracted pretty full-on clients because of that and I loved it. Um, Then I had my daughter. Tough in what way? Me? Yeah. Uh, What do you mean by tough? um, No excuses. Just... (laughs) As a PT, it was yeah, no excuses. Yeah, I know. My once said, yeah. you've got your period. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my clients would try and cancel their session, you know, and they'd text me through the night, and I'd ring them at 6 a.m. Oh, my God. they think I'd be asleep, and I'd ring them at 6 and say, no, I'd ring them at 5.30 and say, don't even think about it. But, Rachel, it's pouring. So wear a hat. We're on. And so as a coach, I was like, that's well. for answering the phone. <laughs> <laughs> they were scared. So, um, but they, that's what they paid me for. And as a coach, I suppose I was a little bit like Could that Could you laugh well. at it? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love well, they that. loved it. Yeah. They loved it. You know, that's what they, they, they paid you for that. That's, I was, I was acting out a certain style and they loved it's that. Probably part of the banter yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well. And I think as a coach, I was like that as well. Then I had my daughter and I think, um, that probably softened me a little bit. And I was, I I suppose what that did actually was that made me more understanding of other people with children. So if they had an excuse around their children, I sort of got it a little bit more. (laughs) And saying, come on. (laughs) (laughs) But still, don't try and use it as too much of an excuse. And then, uh, then I went through a pretty horrible divorce. And that, yeah, that, that did change me quite dramatically. How old were you when that happened? Uh, 39. Yeah, th- no, 38, I should say. 38, 39. So the, from the years of 38 to 39, um, you know, 10, 11 years ago, that was, um, they were quite traumatic and pretty horrible. So that did change me. And I really did. Well, I sort of, through that experience, I felt like I actually could no longer think anymore. My brain actually stopped. I remember saying to my brother, I feel like I can't even remember my name. I don't even I don't even remember what I used to know. Why is I that? I just I, I felt like I lost my identity so badly and I lost my confidence. I, I just it felt like my brain stopped. Because could it have been and tell me if I'm wrong a misalignment between what you thought you wanted in your life and where you were. Oh, there was a there because was a, I've got such a um, uh, role model of excellence belief. I was um, a pathetic mess in my mind. I just, I just fallen apart um, because I was just dealing with so much stuff and very, very stressed. And I felt I couldn't turn up and be who I needed to be to my clients. I wasn't in the right emotional state, so I stepped back for quite a few years. And yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. And but moving out of that, um, you know, yet again, my brother said to me. I said, Matthew, I just can't even imagine. I don't know how I'm going to be who I used to be. And he said, you're actually going to be better. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> that makes me cry thinking about it. Yeah. And I said, um, how? It's like, he's the coach. Is he, he the coach? No. Well, yes, we've done a lot of training together. He's actually a chiropractor, but he's, a lot of his clients go to him for amazing emotional work as well. And he said, and I said, I can't get my mojo back. I just can't get into it. And he said, go out and learn something new. All you need to do is go out and learn something new. And then you will find yourself again. So um, I did, and that's when I threw myself into neuroscience and something that I was incredibly passionate about, the brain and how it worked. 
and I found so much excitement in that and that's when I just pulled out of it. I pulled out of my big fat spiral and I just took off again and that's when it all, you know, I was able to produce what I'm doing now. So it was great. <laughs> Have you changed about um, how tough you are on yourself? Uh, mm, no, I'm still pretty tough on myself. I still, I still like to have a very high achievement value. I, I value achievement. I, I value progress. I value excellence. And so I expect a lot of myself. I expect myself to be somebody who people can come to because I've always been in a role where others have come to me for inspiration and and, um, and wanting to know what they should do. And so now being a mentor and, and a coach and a trainer, um, I always expect myself to be in that position. So I stepped out of the game for a while until I was re-inspired by who I was. And not until I'm inspired by who I am and who I'm being can I be that for other people. What does success mean to you? Um, success to me is feeling is that feeling of um, achievement. It is progression. I, su I suppose it's fulfilling my values. On a day-to-day -day basis, what that means is um, I still get to enjoy so much time with my family. I have time with my daughter. I have special time with my husband. Um, even though we work together, we have time away from work. I have time to ride my horses. I have time to plan and go on amazing holidays. Every day, I get to walk out and look at our, our beautiful property and notice how stunning a day it is. That's success to me. <laughs> When I talk about it, it makes me cry. I know, it's beautiful. Tom. How's it working with your husband? Tell us about that. Give us some deep and dirty. Well, it's, it's funny, actually. We, we attract so many clients to us who actually want to work with their partners or want to or are. And that because that's become a bit of a signature thing for Cole and I as well because people see us in action and that, wow, how do you do that? We've worked together now for, gosh, four years. We're full-time for three and a half years. Cole's been working, you know, doing so much work for me for four or four and a half years. Um, but now working together is just so much better. And um, we truly do believe that working together is just, we are so much more together than we are apart from a business perspective. We just, we bounce ideas off each other. We get so inspired. We have so much fun doing what we do. We love we just love it. And, and what about when you get home? Are you still talking work or do uh, you have a, a rule about... We don't even have to have a rule. We talk work when we want to talk work because we get really excited about it. Um, but we ride bikes together. We do loads of amazing adventure holidays with our kids together. Uh, we both... Cole's a cyclist. I've got the horses. I go off riding and competing with my daughter. He does his thing and we've got a, Cole's two boys as well. So we've got so many other things that we're doing as well. So there's a million things to talk about at all time because we're just excited about, uh, we're just excited about so many things. So there's a lot of things happening in our life right now that we love and there's a lot of things we're planning for and creating in the future as well. So um, it's just non-stop things to talk about. How do you relax? That is not one of my high, that's <laughs> not one of the things I do well. <laughs> it's um, from a relaxation point of view, um, I ride. So when I'm on my horse, the whole world just disappears. Um, I'm totally in the moment and I love it. 
Um, I relax when I'm at competitions with my daughter and I'm just in, totally in the zone. Um, we, we love watching great movies. I love sitting around with friends. You know, I do spend a lot of time with my mum and dad and my brother and, you know, our family. I do relax, but I'm not someone who finds it easy to just sit around and do nothing. I love being in my garden. I've, it's bizarre. My, my daughter says I love three things. There are three P's that I love. Ponies, paintings and plants. <laughs> so I do, I do love being out with my, with my plants and, uh, and I am obsessed with flowers and nature. So, yeah, I do, you know, when I'm out there, I'm relaxed as well. I've just got one last question. For someone that's considering coaching, why would someone step into that, whether it's executive coaching or live coaching or sales coaching? What would make them think, okay, now's the time? Uh, such a good such a good point when you make about the time. The timing it has to be perfect. Why would they step into it if the time feels right, and you know that you can put a lot of time and you you need to be really educated. You need to know what you're doing. If you go into coaching without enough skill, then it's tough, and clients will will really push you, and they will they will see they will see through you really quickly. So you go into coaching, if you've done the training, you know that you are quite an exceptional coach because you need that conviction to be able to actually convert. Um, you need to be at the right time in your life where well, whatever age you are, it doesn't matter, but you make sure that you get your target market right. So depending on who you are and, and where you're at in your life, then attract the clients who actually appreciate that and are drawn to you because of that. Um, there's a lot of thinking to be done about the right time and knowing that it's the right time for you to step into coaching. I love talking about this with clients because I've been there, done that. You know, I'm, I'm now late 40s and I've been in a, in a coaching style of business, BPT, executive coaching or now uh, sales coaching and training and mentoring. You know, this has been my whole career and I love talking to people about where they're at in their career and who they would best attract in their coaching business because of the person they are actually being and who, what they know and who they can help. And uh, coaching in Australia isn't as um, mature as the American market. That, you know, it's so fragmented yes. or segmented, however yes. you want to say. Um, I think someone was saying the other day that they've got bride coaches and um, coming wow. out coaches. And yes. so it, you can just see what's going to happen in Australia yes. when, when people become oh, more defined on this. I love it. And they should. And this is just what I'm talking about now. I get really excited about this, actually. Niche, niche and niche. You know, we are, we attract, you know, we are niched for small bit. We actually... We attract, attract so many coaches. We are niched in that market as well because I know it inside out. When someone someone can refer you so easily if you are niched, and as I say to all of my clients who get very scared to do that because they think they're not going to make any money, who makes the most money, a GP or a specialist? Now, a G GP might make okay money, but a specialist makes extraordinary money. Be a specialist in your field, niche it so that you're, you're it's a narrow but very deep niche and then go out and make sure all your messaging, everything you do is talking exactly to those people and your business will take off if you do the work beforehand. Mm, mm. That's great advice. Yeah. One more, sorry. Um, trends, what do you see in the market? I think, you know, you're exposed to so many people and businesses. What do you see that's consistently coming up? As a trend in business or in coaching? Can we answer both? Yes, okay, so in business, 
Uh, people are just back to our point a moment ago. People are wanting very niched coaches, coaches and trainers, and 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 mentors. So that's that's a trend. They want you to be very very highly skilled in your area. So that's a trend that's happening, and also um, I think. As a coach, it's fantastic to be a coach and be and be a really highly skilled coach and be able to ask brilliant questions. But if you've also done a bit of thinking around your own IP and you have your own system and methodology and, and intellectual property around what you do, being a coach and a mentor is quite an extraordinary position to be in. So from a trend point of view, I think that's where it's going. People want to know what you know. Not only you can ask good questions, but what's going on in your brain? What actually, what experience have you got and what is that going to mean to me? And how have you thought of this in the future? How can you take me further than a coach actually can? That's a trend that I think is really happening at the moment. Um, it's going to be a trend that is going to make a coach, if they're up to the challenge and prepared to do the work, very successful. Describe the consciousness of business at the moment. Hmm. So we deal with a lot of small business, you know, so it's more around the small business owner and, you know, that's where we've niched, niched into the coach and that sort of area. And even, even in the bigger business that we're dealing with, they are, they want to know the research, they want to know why. Why, why, why? And this is, the, this is the thought process, this is the consciousness around that we're experiencing. Why does this work? Why is it important to us? Why should we know? So this is, um, as I said before, when you've done your thinking, so a coach needs to do their thinking because a, a client or a business owner or a bigger business, if you're an executive coach or a leadership coach or whatever you are going into corporate, we have a lot of coaches who do that they are getting drilled on the, on the science aspects of why things work. And that is a big thing, a big part of what's happening in business. That's why the neuroleadership um, institute and the neuroleadership side of things, they're bringing on big business, especially in America. I've been to the, um, one of the um, neuroleadership summits in the States and massive, you know, you've got Google, you've got Facebook, you've got all the big hotel chains, you've got big business over there. They're all there speaking to the neuroscientists, getting to understand why things work from a science point of view. I think that's a big demand in the marketplace. I wonder how you match that with intuition as well, so it's not just logical. Yeah, so intuitively, gosh, when you understand how the brain works, it starts, you know. I went to a, I went to an amazing workshop actually at this at the New sorry at the Sydney Uni about the neuroscience of intuition. Fascinating. This is the sort of stuff that coaches need to know. Thanks, Rachel. You're welcome. My pleasure.